Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall, sa shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his own works. Uh, it's rhetorical, right? It's what, what, what is your soul worth? What will you exchange it for on this earth? Uh, what is that number? Is it a thing? Is it a hobby? Is it, is it money? What, whatever that is, what is it worth? Obviously, your soul is of infinite value. Obviously, the Lord gave his life for, for us, right? So our soul is of infinite value. The answer is nothing. There's nothing that's more valuable than our soul to the Lord. So um, as, a, as a lost man, uh, my pursuit was, was pleasure, the nightlife, friends, uh, the, the next experience, right? Um, I, I didn't really chase money. It didn't bother me. I grew up very poor, but pleasure for pleasure's sake. And, uh, you know, that doesn't fill you up. Um, I, I, I needed something deeper, right? The Lord says, deep calls unto deep, right? When God created us, he put in us a desire and yearning and a void, if you will, that we would seek him. And, you know, the Bible says, deep calls unto deep. And he said, the Bible says that he wrote eternity in our hearts, and we don't understand that, but when sin happened, obviously that got marred and messed up. And, you know, and then you get saved, right? Then you get saved, and, and the Lord starts working on you. And as a saved man, as a saved man, I chased success early on. I chased success in my career. I was the type of person I wanted to dominate all of the workers around me. Um, as a lost man, this trait was very bad in me. But as a saved man, it made me very driven and focused. And I wanted to be the best at everything I did. And I wanted to be so much better than everybody at any cost. And that's not really an admirable trait. But it did, it did give me a drive, right? And, I, and, and, you know, that didn't fulfill me, Right? And I prayed for these things, too. I prayed that God, and I prayed all the right reasons, and I prayed all the right prayers, and I meant it, Lord. Let it be for your glory. Let them see you. Let them see there's something excellent about me because of you. And he answered those prayers. But, you know, that didn't satisfy me, right? And so I remember the first time the Lord taught me this lesson, and I looked at Rachel and I said, you know, God wants to be the source of my satisfaction. And she's like, yeah, whatever, dummy. Everybody knows that. But I didn't know that. 
which to her it was obvious, but I remember the first time I said that out loud to her, she's like, and? And I was like, I don't know, that's all I know right now. You know, but he wanted to be, he very clearly made it, there was nothing that was going to satisfy me except him. And I've had to learn, relearn this lesson many times as I've pursued many objectives and goals I've set for myself or hobbies I have enjoyed. I have found that nothing replaces the joy of the Lord, the will of God, and the daily offering of myself to God. There is nothing else that's going to give you any source of accomplishment or success or joy that's going to compare to that. To say, Lord, what is your will today? And help me to hear it and obey. To say to God, I have all these things planned today, but what is it you want to do? And Lord, let me take my satisfaction in that. And that's what I pray daily. I'm not always good at it. Uh, and I'm not saying this is a problem for all you wonderful folks, but it's certainly something I have dealt with in my life, and I've become so busy, and this is the excuse, uh, I'm so ashamed of it, doing the passions and goals and hobbies and interests and missions and ministries that I have prayed for and God gave me. And I have seen people take gifts, gifts in their life that God gave them, and they turned that into their ministry, and God never intended it to be their ministry. It was a gift. I always use this example. Rachel sings good. You would never know that because no one's ever heard her except me when I'm sitting here listening to her. You but that's not her ministry. It was a gift God gave her. And so it's... I've seen people miss in the Christian church by taking that and becoming busy with something God never intended them to be busy with. And they have prayed for these things, and God answered those prayers, give them ministries, give them missions, and, and now I'm way too busy to do the will of God. Like I said, it's probably not something y'all do. I've prayed for success in my career. God answered that prayer. And now I am so busy at work. It's like I barely have to, I have to find my time to pray on my way to work. And I know that's not what God wants for us. And, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is in your life that's taking that place. And even in religious things, religious, religious uh, secularism, if you, would, if you would. In Acts chapter 3, look at this example. It says, now Peter and John went up together unto the temple at the hour of prayer and being the ninth hour, they're going to a prayer meeting. That's a good thing, right? And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes up upon him with John, said, Look at us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. 
And this is my favorite verse in the Bible. I don't know why. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have, give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So here's Peter and John on their daily schedule. It was time to pray. They're doing a religious thing. Same time every day. And they, they weren't following a program or a schedule or an itinerary. They were following God. And, and they were so following God that he stopped them on this way to do this thing and said, this is what I want you to do. And they eventually made it to the prayer meeting and God got the glory and this man was healed. I'm not advocating missing church or being late for church. Don't misunderstand me. But how much do we miss because of our schedule and our busyness, even in religious things? And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you will, verses 1 through 8, here's another account of a man's opinion of all work done right and wrong. But remember when you're reading Ecclesiastes, this is Solomon's account. If they're in the view that there is no salvation. Okay, so remember that. So when you read through that, you're like, oh, we'll just eat, drink, and be merry. But this is a man's view without salvation, who's just following any work, right or wrong. And in verse 1, in Ecclesiastes 4, he says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. So, you know, he said it's, it's, it's the people who aren't even born yet or better than the people who have already died and the people who are alive now. Yes, better is he than both of they which have not yet been, who have not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I considered all travail or work in every right work, that for this a man is envied of his neighbor, this is also vanity and vexation of spirit, the fool folds his hands together and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone and there is not a second. Yes, he has neither child nor brother, yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor, and I bereave my soul of good. This is also vanity, yes, it is a sore travail. That's what a man saw if there wasn't a God, right? And in Corinthians it says, if we have hope, in Christ in this world alone, we are miserable. It says we are most miserable. But P 
Peter and John wasn't following an itinerary. They was following the Lord, right? And they understood that God doesn't save us to make us happy. Does that make sense? I don't want you to understand me. You have a higher mission and goal. You need to set yourself aside. God's purpose of saving you isn't to make you happy. You will be happy. You'll find joy and strength in the Lord as you go along pursuing Him. But His goal isn't to make you successful in your job. And you might be. And you might be a total failure in your job. I don't know. But that's not the purpose. I remember... uh, I wanted something so bad. For me, it was a shop at the time. And I was building this shop. And I had spent a lot of money on it. And here I am. I'm cutting trees down. I'm buying stuff for the shop. And then my neighbor sues me. Because my shop, you've all seen it, is basically his front yard. And so he sends me a cease and desist letter. And I was mad. Because I hadn't asked the Lord too much if I should build a shop, but I sure wanted it. And I'm cutting the tree down, and I'm back there, and I got very carnal. Rachel said, ooh, you're carnal. And I was going to pile up 10 feet of manure right in front of his house and blow fans on it all day. I was so mad. I was so mad. And I'm out there having my shirt off, and I'm beating these trees down with a machete. And I probably looked insane. And God spoke to me, and he said, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You can't just go around doing what you want. You have to ask me first. And then I probably looked even more insane, and I fell flat on my face out there and thanked God. And and I was so sick before. I was literally vomiting. I had worked myself up so much because I wanted this, and it wasn't going my way. And I instantly had peace after he spoke that to me and all I said was yes Lord this would be a pile of dirt if you want it to be but I don't want anything that you don't want for me and I learned that lesson again and I ended up getting my shop and making friends with my neighbor again so you know and I did not pile manure up in his house so but God wants to be Our source of satisfaction, he satisfies the longing heart. Like the psalmist says, my soul panteth after thee like the deer pants for water. And in Psalm 84, I want to read parts of this, not all of it. It says, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. For the living God, yes, the sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in your house. They will be still praising thee. Verse 9, behold, O God, our shield and look upon the face of your anointed for a day in your courts is better than a thousand I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord, of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in thee. 
And in my Bible, it says rejoicing in God's presence. And that's kind of what started this thought when I read that. You know, we chase things to fill a void that God put there uh, of not being in that daily presence of God. There's nothing else that's going to make you happy. Alone with him, not just in a prayer closet, but even with all the noise of busyness around us, right? We are so busy running after things. And I, it's, Jordan and I were talking Sunday, and he's so much smarter than me. And we somehow got onto the theory, Einstein's theory of relativity. Does he talk about this a lot? He's very smart. So he's talking, you know, and I'm just nodding my head because I don't want to look dumb. And he's talking about how mass and energy and light and space is all relative and related. And I'm thinking, how many jelly beans can I put in my nose without it hurting? You know, he's so much smarter than me. And he said, he said, no man has traveled at the speed of light. But if you could, it would appear as everything is going very slow. Right? And so that's what we do. We're going very fast through this life. The Bible says it's a vapor. It's very fast. It's here and gone. We have one shot at it. But if we would slow down, we would see how fast we're going through life. Right? And we pursue things full tilt. But we don't pursue God this way. Right? We don't take... We do take joy in a life that is blessed by God. And of course, right, of course we do. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else is added to you. I have to learn that over and over and over again. So I asked this question, and it's a silly question, um, but maybe it's the Lord can answer it in prayer. We have plenty of time to pray about it. Um, and it's, when have you been in the... The room, when have you been in the same room as the Lord? That's silly, huh? Because we know two or more gather in his presence, there he is in the midst of you. But when have you been in the same room as God Almighty? Alone with him, where that you can hear his will, take joy in that, and stand up in the strength of God and go out and do it. Instead of filling your life up with hobbies, interests. You never miss a ball game. Uh, I work out twice a day. I'm very diligent to eat good. I'm very driven in my work. I have an opportunity to take another step in work. My practice is getting bigger. My grandchildren, I got to pay attention. You know, these are good things, but is it the will of God for your life? And how do you know? When's the last time you've been in the same room as God? You and him. And we always hear... Everywhere you go, the Lord, you take the Lord with you. Have you ever been told that? Everywhere you go, you take the Lord with you. So think about where you're going. But really, it should be kind of the opposite. Everywhere that the Lord is, he's taken us with him. So um, that's what I have. I'm, uh, there's much more, I'm sure, and someone could have done a much better job. You know, there's so much more to study on this topic. You know, we didn't even talk about how Jesus himself said, you know, not my will, but yours. And then he also said, I only do the things my father tells me to do. 
And then you could add on to that, you know, labor not for meats which perishes, but labor for that which endureth to everlasting life. And that's it. That's what we're supposed to take our satisfaction in because nothing else will satisfy you. He satisfies the longing heart. All right. So I'm going to open up prayer. And so, Father, we do thank you and we love you, God. And I thank you, God, that you're good and you won't withhold any good thing, Lord, but help us to be aligned with what you view as good and what is good for our life. Not just enjoyable things to make us happy because these things can go away. But, Lord, help us to seek you in your joy, in your kingdom, in your righteousness, Lord, that we might be willing and sensitive enough to walk away from a schedule that we've set for ourselves that you might be glorified. Even in religious things, Lord, and help me not to be misunderstood here tonight. But, Lord, lead us by your spirit is what I guess I'm asking, that we might hear your will and be able to do it. And we thank you so much and love you in Jesus' name. Amen.